in 2006, which was a few years back. Um, how many years ago was that? That's, um, that's 12 years. That's why I stay in school. <laughs> Maths is important. Maths is important. Uh, 12 years ago, okay, 2006, however long ago that was, that was 12 years ago. Uh, 2006, um, we had been part of the church, this church here, for two years. We had been married for six months, part of this church. And um, we, when we came to this church, we were very messed up. Uh, we didn't, our relationally, financially, emotionally, we were a real mess. And you know, you know what it's like, you come to church, you don't feel you're good enough to be in church? Well, that was us. We, we, we walked up to this place, and, um, and that's where we were. And um, financially, we're just getting through. You know, we, you know, many of us know in this room what to like just getting through. Okay, just getting milk, just getting bread, just uh, seeing the, the, the light E on your car. E is enough, right? E is enough. That's what I meant to you. What's, oh, it's on E. It's enough. I know my car. I know my car. I know my car. Okay. Anybody been there? Okay. Anybody still there? No. Anyway, let's carry on. Let's carry on. And, um, and, and we lived in housing, in housing New Zealand. And, and I praise God for housing New Zealand. You know, sometimes it gets a bad rap, but it really does help people get into homes, affordable homes. And, um, and so I, I praise God for that season with housing. But Puro used to pray every day that one day we'll own our own home. She would pray this prayer. And, um, and so she would declare a thing. And talk about putting pressure on the person, if you're the one who's the breadwinner for the family. Talking about the pressure, you know, like, oh, we're just getting through. You're praying for this prayer, this woman of faith. You know, we're on our faith journey with God. So what, what do you do? So we, we, we put it before God. And, uh, and we pray, Lord, you know, I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, my wife is praying for this, this, um, this house. And we're praying this prayer in front of our children every single day. And uh, Lord, you know, um, I don't know how this is going to happen. Lord, open the door. And of course, two doors open before us. Two doors open before us. And in fact, in life, many doors open before us. We, we quite often stand before many open doors. How do we know which door to go through? How do we know which is the right door for us? Some doors are really appealing and and, and, and we'll enter that door, and quite often, what seems appealing isn't. It, grass isn't greener on the other side. It wasn't, and sometimes you can be fooled into something that's really uh, not green. And, and for us, two doors open. The first door that opened up before us was a promotion at work. And I'm like, wow, I've got a promotion. And it was the answers to all our prayers, isn't it? More money. Come on, how many of us pray for more? Lord, I just pray for more money. Or have you ever prayed this prayer? And this is how you know you're desperate. Lord, I just pray that, that I get approved for that loan. <laughs> Lord, I just pray for breakthrough in the loan. Lord, help me get into debt. Come on, Lord, breakthrough in the debt, you know. That's what we're praying. We're, you know, we're, you know, have you ever been there before? Lord, pray for this. I'm going to put my hand up. I heard about that. No, but, um, and, but that was the answer. Oh, here we go. This, the answers to all our prayer is more money. The second door that opened before us was in the form of our then senior pastor, Pastor Bob Lawson. And he, come, he literally came knocking at the door, and I answered the door, and, and he, the, the door was this, and it was, he asked if, if we would like to become interns here at Hamilton Elam. 
And what that meant for us is that uh, we had, it meant for us giving up full-time employment. It means becoming a student. It means turning down a promotion. What it meant for us is that we had six children with one still in the oven. I mean, it was just being made in the mixture, and, put, and it was just put in the oven. I, actually, maybe that's too much information. But anyway, so this, so this is where we're at. And we're like, oh my gosh, we've got these two doors. One that offers a promotion. The other offers me giving up full-time employment. And so what do we do? We, we give it to God. And this is what I love, Paul. Paul, if, we, if you're in a, and you find yourself in a place where you need to bring it before God, I encourage you to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. And it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus. Well, long story short, the door we chose to walk through Meant that, meant that I was turning down a promotion. The door that we chose to walk through was a door that we found the peace of God. And it really did transcend all understanding because it didn't make sense. We didn't choose to walk through the obvious door. We didn't choose to walk through the obvious door, but we chose to walk through a door that we really felt was the door of obedience, the door of obedience. See, before us are many doors, many doors. But does the door you're about to walk through honor God? Does the door you're about to walk through honor God? Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. I've been praying for a job, and I know it means I can't come to church anymore. I know it means that I'm going to be out of fellowship anymore. But, hey, I've been praying for a job. That's answer to prayer, right? Does the door you're about to walk through honor God? See, the most obvious door for us was to, was to take the promotion. But sometimes before God does the obvious and changes your situation, He wants to work within us so that when He does change our situation, that we're, we're ready to receive it. But, but I'm so glad that we chose to walk through this door. Because Porter and I, we want to be the people that we are today. Here we are 12 years later and we're leading this church. We have seven amazing children, three okay grandchildren. No, sorry, three amazing grandchildren. Honestly, we love them to bits. Three amazing grandchildren. I'm always quite amazed because we're only 30 and I don't know how that works. That's why I say maths is important to stay in school, you know. It's like... When you, it's funny, when you get older, you just all of a sudden can't count how old you are. But anyway, just me. But what, what's amazing is that when you declare a thing, and although we, we chose to, to take the obvious door, which, which if you think about it, would lead to our house, but we chose this other door where we laid down everything and we began to walk through it that through the help of Habitat for Humanity, we own our own home. And even if we chose to walk down that other door, I don't know if we would own our own home. 
And what also blows me away that we've only been paid for the last four years. So in the last four years we've been paid, but yet now we own our own home. And all I can think of is that it's all about God. God knows. God knows. Come on. What we've learned is that the door that God opens requires you to depend on Him. It requires you to depend on Him. Are you willing to depend on God? Are you willing to, to trust God? It's just, the, okay, God, we're all in. And when I think of Mark chapter 2, it really does, I can't, it really does speak this in volumes. So if you can, if you will, may you turn with me again to Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. And it reads, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. So this was the first door that these men came across. It was called the door of disappointment. Have you ever, have you ever been at the door of disappointment before? But there's another door. These men found another door. They made an opening in the roof. This wasn't an obvious door, but this was a door. They made a door. They made a door. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. Then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. See, that didn't bring the man before Jesus to be forgiven. They brought the man before Jesus to be healed. You know, God will quite often bypass what you want to give you what you need. But what's amazing about this is that these four aren't the primary heroes in this passage. I mean, other than Jesus, the most important people in this passage are the doubters, are those that opposed these men. And this is the second door, the door of opposition. Opposition. Verse 6, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who, can God, who but God can forgive sins? And now these teachers of the laws, they were correct. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus was made a, making a bold declaration. He was declaring that he was God in the flesh. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. See, he, Jesus knows your motivations. He knows your thoughts. You can try to fool people around you. You can try to fool me, but you can't fool God. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. See, what his friends did got him forgiven. But what the critics thought got him healed. So why don't we thank God for the critics that we have in our lives? Amen? Why don't we just thank God for those who oppose us? Because what his friends did got him forgiven. What the critics thought 
got him healed. But there's another door, and this third door is called the door of obedience. It's a kind of obedience. It's kind of obedience that where we need to trust God for the impossible. Have you ever had to entrust God for the impossible before? Well, this is the kind of obedience. Because what his friends did got him forgiven. But there was something that he had to do to be healed. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not by works. But yet, faith expresses itself in works. In fact, the book of James tells us that, 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 that faith with action. Oh, you show me your faith with words, and I'll show you my faith by my actions. You know, I love when, when, the, when, the, when the men were lowering um, the man on the mat before Jesus, and, Jesus, and the Scripture tells us that Jesus was amazed by their faith. It, it, they didn't just talk about their faith, but it was amazed by what, what he saw in action. And in verse 10, Jesus says this, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know something about me. I want, you, I want, to sh- want you to know that I'm about to reveal something. See, it's not about you anymore. It's not about your dysfunction. It's not about your limitation. Not anymore. Not anymore. So Jesus says to the man, so I want you to do what you can't do. I want you to do what you could never have done before. And the proof of my presence means that you're going to have to do something practical. So get up and take that thing that they brought you in on. What you came in on, you're going out with. But instead of it holding you, you'll be holding it. Are you still lying on the mat? Are you still lying on the mat? You have the resurrection power inside of you, but you've got to walk it out. See, that man came through the roof, but he went out that same door they wouldn't let him in on when he first arrived. See, I want to declare by the Spirit of God that if you will get up, you can get up. If you will forgive, you can forgive. I'm not saying that Matt's going to go away. What I'm saying is that you're not going to spend the rest of your life lying on that thing, blaming other people for the condition that you're in. Will you get up? Will you get up? So Jesus says to this man, so get up in front of these other people. This is where it takes obedience, the door of obedience. Think about the courage that this demonstration requires. Because the people that were watching this man weren't even cheering him on. They didn't even like the fact that he interrupted the the service. And that Jesus thinks that he can heal him, that forgive him. So now he's got to get up and walk in front of all these people who don't want him to. So now he's got to take his first steps. When most of us took our first steps, someone was cheering us on. But he has to do it in face of conflict. He has to do it in face of doubt. He has to do it in face of the critics. He has to do it in front of people that don't even want him in the room. So I wonder, are you willing today, in the face of your adversity, 
in the face of your weakness, in the face of everything that's been against your family, your entire life, will you get up? Will you get up? To remember, in, in Jewish thinking, it was often assumed that if you're suffering, it was because of sin. But Jesus dispels this in John chapter 9 when he said of the man born blind wasn't declared a sinner, but he was born blind so that the works of God, that the glory of God may be revealed. So will you become a, will you become a door? Not a doormat, but a door. Will you become a door so that God can show people who he is? Will you become a door of hope so that the works of God, so that the glory of God may be revealed? He picks people with issues. Does anybody have any issues in this place? Does anybody need a, a tissue for your issue? He picks people with issues because he wants to show people through you. Will you be a door of hope? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. I love this verse. And if you're part of youth ministry, you'll hear this right through. But it's not just talking of young people. In fact, some scholars believe that Timothy was about 40 years old. Slightly older than me. Just kidding. No. <laughs> okay. Roughly the same age as me right now. And Paul says this to Timothy. Don't let anyone think less of you because, of you, because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. You are an example. Everybody in this room is an example. Every young person in this room is an example. Every mature person in this room is an example. Whether you're a good example or not, that's up to you. That's up to you. But will you be a door of hope so that the works of God, the glory of God may be revealed? You know, your marriage may be in tatters. But will you be that door of hope to your children? That one day your children will stand and say, I want my marriage to to be like my mom and dad's. They never gave up. We've had some hard times, but they never gave up. Never gave up on each other. Never gave up on me. Will you get up? Or maybe you're in a position where your marriage has fallen apart. But will you get up? Will you refuse to stay on that mat? blaming other people for your condition. Will you get up? See, the people, they weren't amazed when the roof was ripped off. They weren't even amazed by Jesus' preaching. But they were amazed by the man's demonstration. Will you be a door of hope? There are some of you here, you're, you're about to become a door so that people can see Jesus through your life. Here's the people that 
that Jesus is going to pick. People who are paralyzed, but they've made a decision. Even though they haven't got rid of their issues, they're not going to allow their issue keep them from Jesus. These men, they had an issue at the door, but they were going to let the issue keep them from their friend being at the feet of Jesus. Will you get up? Will you get up and not let this issue stop you from getting to Jesus? If you're standing in front of the door of disappointment, anybody been disappointed in this room? If you're standing, all hands up, feet up as well. If you're standing in front of the door of opposition, there's another door. You've done all that you could do. You've tried all that you could try. Self-help isn't helping. People have stopped believing in you a long time ago, and if truth be told, you'll stop believing. But right here, right now, just like the four who took their friends to the feet of Jesus, you stand at an open door. You stand at the feet of Jesus. Don't allow your issue stop you from being where you need to be. Because let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is not your average preacher. He is the truth, the way, and the life. He is the resurrection. He is the good shepherd. And in John chapter 10, verse 9, when it was ready to, to tell people who he was, he said, I am the door. I am the door. If you want to come on in, come on in. If religion's locked you out, come on in. If sin's kept you out, come on in. I am the door. I am the door. And if Jesus is the door, nothing can come into your life without first going through Jesus. But sometimes Jesus allows things into your life that you don't like. But don't be paralyzed by that. Not another another day. All you've got to do is walk through that door. He's not asking you to be perfect, but he does expect progress. He says, I am the door. Your ex-husband is not. Your ex-wife is not. Your boss is not. Your father who wasn't there is not. Your own opinion of yourself is not. Jesus says, I am the door. When Jesus opens the door in your life, no mistake. Anybody made any mistakes? No mistakes, no sickness, no situation. Even if they rolled the stone over the door on Friday, He is the resurrection. He is the life. Will you get up? Will you get up? That's the door of obedience. Will you get up in the face of opposition? Will you get up? I know it didn't work out the way you planned. No one plans a divorce. No one plans a a separation. No one plans being bankrupt. We don't plan these things. 
We know life doesn't work out like we always wanted, wanted to be. And we are disappointed. Be disappointed. But don't die in it. Don't die at an open door. You stand at an open door. There's something better on the other side. We all stand at an we are standing at we are standing at an open door right now. This door is always open. It's always open. This door is not obvious. It doesn't look like a door. It looks like a roof. It looks like disappointment. It looks like opposition. It looks like obedience. It looks like Jesus. This is your door. This is your open door.